I get a lot of people asking me how we were blessed to walk away from corporate America in our early 30s. Well, listen, I don't want to keep that a secret. I want to share it with the world. And so maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to figure out how do I even get started on my journey of entrepreneurship and getting to a level of freedom? Well, text the word freedom to 737-777-9909. Enter your information in. And we look forward to sharing some information with you, a proven system with small overhead, right? That you can do part-time spare time right from the comfort of your home and have amazing mentors, coaches, and a community of entrepreneurs who are willing to support you and help you on your journey to freedom. Welcome to Code Freedom. I'm your host, Eddie Bales. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt like there's got to be more to life than the reality that you see every day? Tune in weekly, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays as we crack the codes to freedom in every area of your life. Welcome to Code Freedom. This is Eddie Bells, your host, and this is episode 50, and I'm really excited because I have uh, a special guest, and this gentleman was my economics professor 20 years ago, um, and that was when I first started as a, uh, a serious entrepreneur, and he had a very instrumental part in my development in those early years, especially being my professor, and so, so we're just going to have a quick conversation in this episode, and I want you guys to hear it, but uh, who is Dr. Curtis Haynes Jr.? Well, he he taught at, he still teaches at Buffalo State College in Buffalo, New York, uh, but he studied economics in Happy Valley at the University of Massachusetts Amherst uh, during the Camelot years. That's where he received his PhD in 1993. Um, he's also studied uh, epistemology with Resnick and Wolf and black political economy with Lloyd Hogan. Uh, and this gentleman has done so many different things. I mean, he has a passion for uh, the graduate student organization, the Third World Caucus. Um, and uh, he's into uh, very cool things like uh, Goju uh, Ryu Karate, right, of Eastern thought and uh, especially Taoism. And, and so, um, you know, he, he's just got such a broad range of, 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 of things that he's done. Uh, he's received both community and campus recognition uh, and also was voted three times as instructor of the year by the BSC Student Government Association. In 2010, he was also appointed to the city council representing the Ellicott District, uh, Buffalo's most radically ethnic, ethnically and economically diverse uh, council district. Uh, he also served for one very eventful year, right? Uh, he's published uh, in many areas of black political economy and cooperative economics. Uh, the pinnacle of his scholarship is currently being organized in the unpublished Journey of Economic and Spiritual Man uh, and a Treaties in Political Economy, Economics and Applied Psychology, an Associated Workbook. In the late 90s, he also uh, with, was with a scholar activist co-founded a $400,000 HUD-funded community outreach partnership center, now defunct, right? He's a director for the Center for Economics and Education at Buffalo State, charged with the mission of popularizing prosperity economics. In 2004, he founded the Conscious Investment Group, 
2014, the Mondragon Village Association, and in 2018, the CIG Leadership Academy and Community Building Economics. Uh, and also, he believes in the 64 arts and likes to play chess and the clarinet. So this gentleman has such a very, uh, very insightful background. Please help me welcome Dr. Curtis Haynes. Well, welcome to Code Freedom. I'm your host, Eddie Bales. This is episode 50. Can't believe we're at 50 episodes already. Just started this podcast in January, but I'm so excited because um, I have one of my mentors, right? Uh, one of the people that really set me on track for where I'm, where I'm going and where I'm going today. And so I just want to bring him to you all. I want you guys to get a flavor of, of what, what I've been blessed to experience over the years. And his name is Dr. Curtis Haynes out of Buffalo, New York. He's a professor and he's doing some amazing things even outside of being a professor. So uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very, it's it's uh, appreciated. Very appreciative, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you because, uh, I mean, you really had an instrumental um, uh, a part of my journey uh, on my journey of wealth because, uh, you know, you, you always need mentors and coaches. I always talk about that. And uh, it was so awesome for me. And I'll be honest, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you, you broke things down so simplistic and basic, but also you were African-American. So I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm vibing already because it was cool to have a, 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 a African, you know, not that any anyone else was was bad, but I could just relate to you a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was awesome to have you as my professor. Okay, you know, and I think it was it was likewise, right? I think that, um, you know, I I we I don't know when when were we when when were we together? What what, what years were those? That was that was uh, that was two thousand and two to two thousand four. Right, okay. All right, so that was in like you know that that time period. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be staying in Buffalo, right? I came I came in the '90s, and I was like, you know, most people say you know people go through Buffalo, nobody stays, right? Um, but I'm a, I'm a Buffalonian by choice, right? And um, the reason I ended up at uh, Buffalo State College as, uh, as a, in the Department of Economics and Finance was that at the time when I you know when I was on the job market. I straight out of straight out of college, uh, I went to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. That's where I got my PhD. Right. But straight out of college, you know, the the niche that 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 Buffalo State College had for me was that you know the the president at the time, F. C. Richardson, right? Um, he you know in the college, he and the college had this urban mission. Right. And um, and so, you know, with the various places that I considered going to um, tapping into this urban mission was um, one of the reasons I came to Buffalo. Right. And, you know, and you alluded to the you you being an African-American and having a sensitivity to an African-American professor. Right. And again, you alluded to is not just because African-American, but you can relate. Right. And so, so, you know, part of the reason you relate is, is the reason I was able to relate is because, you know, my work, right, was, was really built around um, trying to identify and understanding the, the condition and the socioeconomic conditions of the African-American, which, which I consider myself as African-American. 
And so when I came to Buffalo State College, right, I was a theoretician, right? And I was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to do some applied stuff, right? Um, and I think that like when I when I came, that when we came into each other's lives, right? Um, I had I had already participated. Um, we talked about the the attempt to build a community-owned supermarket on the east side of the city, um, and that was that was a real. The market was supposed was called our market, O U R, our market, right? And it was you know we had a collection of scholar activists from from Buffalo State College, and I was one of them, and we got a grant. We got a grant for about a half a million dollars to. Uh, it was a COPSI grant, Community Outreach Partnership Center grant, right? Um, but in the end, right, the community-owned supermarket um, never, never, it, it, it didn't, it didn't get off the ground, right? And and initially, I was kind of, I mean, even though we had we had a lot of community support, right? We had we had like maybe about 10,000 10, signatures or something like that of people who were interested. In, in this um, community-owned supermarket. And at the time it was a food desert, right? Uh, right on the corner of Fillmore and Ferry in Buffalo, East Side, right? Um, and we even had people who actually uh, paid like $25 for to be a member of this co-op um, even before the co-op existed, right? Um, but for, you know, from my perspective, I, and I know we only have a few minutes here, right? So, you know, but for political reasons and what have you, right? Uh, the 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 initiative kind of um, changed form, and in the end, we ended up getting a, a a private supermarket over on Jefferson, right? So that supermarket, that tops that that showed up on Jefferson. I mean, that was that was in part part of that initiative. But you know, I was I was highly sensitive to. Um, you know, like all this money came in, this half a million dollars came in, right? And, uh, you know, you know, it's like one thing about grant money is you, you got to spend it, right? But the data that we used was, you know, a significant part of that data that we used was connected to um, the, the east side of the city, right? And the low, some of the, the most poverty ridden, um, ridden um, zip codes. Um, and so, but in the end, that half a million dollars, it, it ended up staying on campus. It created a... a, a some salaries for a few people, but no, no significant change in the community. Right. Um, and so I was, I was, I was kind of like de de dejected about that. Um, and then, you know, when you and I met, I, I think we we're like, do we, did you participate in the stock market stuff that we did? I know we, I know you participated in the saving circle. Right. Yeah. So we had the saving circle and we did some teaching on the uh, cash flow game. Okay. Different places and taught that, and then I remember you even taught about how what you're talking about is how all the funds go outside of the city, and mm -hmm. your goal was to bring them in the city. I mean, I still remember that, and that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And what I admired about that was you took it past just being a professor. You were really trying to make an impact and make a change economically in the city, yeah. and especially in the urban community. So that's what I really, really uh, admired about that and, and about you. All right. Well, so so you you while we were off camera um, or off audio, uh, you did ask me about you know kind of the stuff that I'm doing right now. So, but real quick, the you know 
meeting you and, and a, a lot of the young men um, in, of your generation, right? Like, I, I think like, like the, our, our current mantra is building seven generations into the future, starting with our own, right? And so the concept of generations, it could be like life, life generations, but like for me, it was kind of like, I, 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 I'm guessing you might've been my, the second generation, right? Right? In terms of people who are who are in my life that I influence and you guys influence me, right? And so the, the people I'm working with right now is the seventh generation, right? So and so they're they're building off of what we're doing right now is building off of the kind of relationships that I built with you and uh, and other folks before you. But what was critical, like when I came to Buffalo, and I think that like what you know which would appeal to me about you also was that like when I came to Buffalo. You know, I was, you know, I, I was clear that the young African-American male students, particularly those, I mean, a lot of them became attracted to economics, right, uh, because of me and because of the conversations that they had with me. But what I noticed was that a lot of the, the young Black men that were in my life at that time period, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, right, um, you know, they were very entrepreneurial, like yourself, right? I mean, everybody's entrepreneurial. And, and the economics of being entrepreneurial is that, you know, they, there's, there's, there are barriers to entry into, into the mainstream labor markets, right? Race and class barriers to entry, um, socioeconomic barriers to entry. And, and I think that that's kind of ingrained, right? African-American -Amer African male, um, women too, right? But again, my, my, you know, in terms of how I was interacting, it was, it was, it was the African-American male um, and their allies, right? But, you know, it was kind of like, you know, it was clear that, that you know, some of my students were getting, uh, getting these degrees in economics, right? But there was barriers to entering the labor market. And so they became entrepreneurial. And so what I decided that same time period when we were doing the saving circle, Right, when we're doing the cash flow game is that um, I had to step away from just being a professor and a teacher to being a mentor, right? And, and to be a mentor, you know, you, you, you had to be like, been there, done that, right? And that's kind of where I'm at, you know, I've been there, done that, right? I moved, you know, I've still, I've still got to, I still teach at Buffalo State College, right? But as you, as you alluded to, even 20 years ago, right, my greatest desire for impact was off of the campus um, in the community. And so where I'm speaking to you from right now is the Leadership Academy and Community Building Economics. Um, and it's, a, uh, it's an innovation center. And it's, it's a membership organization. And I think, you, I, th I think you would appreciate one of our mantras. Like I said, one of our mantras is um, building seven generations into the future, starting with our own. Right. Because I mean, and, you know, it's like, well, you know this, right? I mean, you practice this. I mean, you could you could tell somebody about your truth with a little T, your personal truth and and your vision about um, accumulating wealth in a socially conscious and a spiritually conscious way. Right. Um, that's one thing. Or you could demonstrate it. Right. And a lot of times my generation before. Right. I mean, we were you we were talking about, you know, we shall overcome. Right. And we are talking about, you know, like the the, you know, externally outside of ourselves and the impact of this, you know, of, of race and class on ourselves and our, our communities. And, you know, going back to to what I what I learned in, in 
what actually made me, that got me to where I'm at right now with the academy is that initially, you know, I was kind of like, it was their fault, right? The reason we didn't get the community-owned supermarket was the fault of the the, the 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 local city administration, right? The local council member, right? The government, right? And I was kind of kind of bitter about that. But as I grew, right? As I grew as a man, right? I, I learned to take responsibility. So we weren't ready, right? And and so and so coming back to today in the twenty first century, right? Um, it's again the idea is that you know you know what we is time that we had to demonstrate right we had to dem demonstrate our truth so uh you know like walking the walk you know the same way that we talk but but yeah um and, uh, and, and we're you know so I, i'll stop right there let me give you a chance to talk if you want to say something oh no that's good i mean you know it's 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 very impactful that you you just had that mindset and <laughs> and we do have to look inside you know they say your words speak so loud, I can't hear which your accents speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. And um, sometimes people just need to see that you're about what you're really about. And, uh, you know, like you said, to be a mentor, you want to be able to demonstrate. And I love what you're doing with the community and just mm -hmm. just saying, look, I'm going to start something and I'm going to affect change. And, and even having the foresight to think seven generations down, most people, they can't even get past their own generation. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. thinking like, how can I impact generations to come? That's that's what this is all about. It's freedom for people to have that kind of uh, freedom, not just today, but for tomorrow as well, building a legacy. Well, I mean, you might you might have called it foresight, right? But I mean, it it it, it you know, I I was blessed that that uh, you know I'm I'm a I'm an OG, right? I'm a one of the original uh, knowledge age workers, right? You know, and so I was I was getting paid to think to think, right? I was getting paid to uh, to to um, like spend a lot of intellectual um, energy on understanding the economy in general, right? Um, but particularly the the uniqueness of the of the of the, the, the black population um, in the United States of America, both um, nationally and internationally, right? So you know, so I was, you know, you know, um, I, I I think that my decision to come to Buffalo and to Buffalo State College, right, it really um, opened the doors and allowed me to spend a lot of intellectual energy understanding the socioeconomic condition of Black America in relationship to a broader America in relationship to the global economy as a whole. And, and what I was trained in, you know, and what motivated me initially was to understand, um, you know, like why, why was the socioeconomic conditions of Black communities, particularly ghettoized communities, so different than, than other communities, right? When I was a graduate student, you know, I was a graduate student and, you know, as you know, I, well, I could tell your audience, right? My father was in the Air Force, so I grew up in the military. Um, and, and growing up in the military, you know, I, I had a chance to travel around the world. Um, I went to, I went to high school, I was born in England, right? I went to, you know, travel different places in the United States, different military bases, um, high school in Germany and, and took my first college class in Spain. Right. And so culturally, you know, like as, you know, as we are young kids, right, you know, you try to figure out a way to, to fit in. Right. And so I adopted a, a culture of, you know, of, of as an African-American youth, right, culturally. Right. 
when I went to the University of Massachusetts, I became more politically orientated, highly influenced by the, the black nationalist kinds of kinds of thinking, right? Um, and but as a graduate student, you know, I was I was like, well, why is it that you know, you know, when I, where I live in Springfield, Massachusetts, the you know the Forest Park area, right? You know, what primarily black, right? Uh, a huge amount of poverty. I get on the bus, go to UMass, right? And the vibe, I mean, it's like the vibration changes, right? As does the complexion of the, the, the population, right? And it's like, well, why, right? And so I studied, so I was studying that, you know, why, why, why did it exist? And so by the time you, you, you and I met, it was like, I, you know, I, I realized that part of that, right, had, you know, it was a long history of, um, you know, being free men and women on the African continent, Right, forcefully taken from the 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 land by you know um, marauders, right, and, and you know and and put in chains, you know, and not not and, and not easily, right? They're put in chains, right? I mean, some people say like you know up to over a hundred million people lost their lives in the in the slave trades in the in the Middle Passage and everything that's associated with it. But clearly, right, it was it was you know it's chattel slavery was so detrimental to the human soul, right? That, you know, and then, you know, having to fight that and liberate yourself from that and then find yourself in a new form of, of, uh, of, of oppression where, you know, the, the sharecropping era of the US South, right? Or even down in Brazil or in the Caribbean, right? Where, you know, separate and unequal Jim Crow laws, the black codes, right? And then by the time we get full, into the, to the capitalist economy in the 1960s, because really the civil rights movement was the end of the sharecropper. Croppers got into the into the U.S. economy, the industrial economy, the the U.S. industrial economy was losing its edge, so that people in the early 19th, you know, in early 1900s with a minimal education, were able to get good jobs at the factories. You know, here, over here in Buffalo at Bethlehem Steel. But by the time the 60s, the 70s, 80s came around, those jobs didn't exist. But the socioeconomic condition of, of the of the of the 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 African Americans who left the U.S. South going to urban communities around the country, um, the 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 jobs started started uh, you know disappearing. But you still had to put food on the table, right? And who stepped in? Well, in, in some of our communities, right? You know, we had the drug dealers stepped in, right? Um, and then we got the prison industrial complex, right? Um, and so all of that, right? And so, so I, I studied that, and and now through my understanding of black political economy, I have a strong understanding of the socioeconomic condition of the black American, African American, um, locally, nationally, and internationally. And now that I have that strong understanding, it's like, okay, well, what's the next stage, right? Well, with that strong understanding, it's like, well, what are the solutions, okay? And so, so what my work is, is designed to like pretty much is to transition, right? Is, as you alluding to like the work I'm doing here at the Academy is that, you know, I was trained in, in economic theory um, I, I studied policy and, and right now I'm dealing with economic practice and the economic practice is built around the kind of stuff that you talk about and the kind of stuff you live economics of abundance right because again again 
you like when I was blaming other people for our weakness, it's like, okay, I had to understand that, no, we were weak, right? Um, and, you know, it's like you could teach somebody the skills of a cooperation, but if you don't have the self-confidence, right? If you don't, if you're, if you're filled with fear, doubt, and, uh, and uncertainty, right? Um, if you don't have the confidence of doing things, you know, on your own, right? No matter what tools you have in your hand, you're not going to be able to fulfill the project. And so I had a level of, of insecurity, right? On the people we worked with. Um, and, but it was, you know, it was, it was a heavy lift too, right? So I'm not, you know, I ain't crying about it. It was a heavy lift, you know? Um, but so now you have a very strong positioning myself in, in the work that we're doing here in the form of a paradigm shift, right? And our paradigm shift and the bridge for us of this paradigm shift is black political economy. What I studied um, using the work of my mentor, Lloyd Hogan. And so that bridge, right, is a bridge from economics of scarcity to economics abundance with black political economy in between being the bridge. Meaning that, you know, like what, it, what would be the solution from my perspective to the socioeconomic condition, uh, the poverty, you know, the economic poverty, even the, the social and the emotional, and there's a lot of anxiety in our community, right? So what is the solution? Um, the solution is, is, is wealth, right? Um, emotional wealth, um, financial wealth, or actually even, even further, right? It's um, health, right? Financial health, right? Uh, emotional health, right? Physical health, right? Um, and, and being able to sustain an income in this realm. So that's kind of where I'm at, right? Um, this, this, you know, a strong economic theory, paradigm shift um, in, you know, the work that we're doing, I, I feel, right? And the people that I'm working with right now, this seventh generation, after, you know, where you probably run the second, right? Um, we're, doing, we're doing some really good stuff. Um, we've, we've ran a few events out of here. Um, I got a, this is, this is the journal we use right here. It's the, the Journal of Economic and Spiritual Man workbook, right? Um, and this is the workbook that has, it has, it has the magic. It has the alchemy in it. Wow, good stuff. I mean, it's funny because on this podcast, we've talked about paradigms and we've talked about all of that stuff you talked about. But we talked about it mainly from a sense of individualism, how we can individually become who we need to be to be wealthy for our communities and things like that and be free. Well, we don't have to depend on, you know, a job. We don't have to depend on a paycheck. We don't have to depend on the government because we can kind of be our own economy. But I love what you're talking about. It takes it to another level of not how can I, but how can we as a community, how can we socially like as a as a as a uh, a village, so to speak, mm -hmm. how can we all become lifted up together? So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe you can expound on that. Like, why is why is it important for for people to understand economics and business and money, so that it's not just that one person can be affected, but a whole community can be affected, especially the urban community or the the communities that lack the most. How can we uplift those communities? In mm -hmm. your opinion. Um, so again, I, you know, I, 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 I had, I spent a career on with that as, as a, uh, as part of my, um, you know, part of my mantra, like, I, you know, 
like you know, like in earlier days of my life, right? You know, I, I carried carried the, the the world on my shoulders, right? You know, I mean, honestly, I wanted to serve, right? Uh, when I first came to Buffalo, it's kind of like, yo, I'm here to serve, you know. But what I realized is that, you know, people want servants, right? They're like, oh, you want to serve? Oh, we got this, we got this, we got that, and right, and it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm here to serve. I'm carrying buckets. Right. Then I'm carrying a big stick and I carry the buckets. I'm like, oh, man, this stuff is getting too heavy for me. Right. You know, but I still want to serve. And, and then what I realized to serve is that, um, you know, I, I probably the best way to serve is to, is to figure out how to build a pipeline. Right. And, you know, and so and, and then also. Right. It's, uh, you know, like I spent a lot of my, my life, especially my youth. Right. Um, with the idea of. Uh, you know, trying to trying to teach like you know you you know, consider this or consider that, right? Um, but now I'm you know maybe it's my 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 uh, you know I'm my my, my age right now is kind of like I'm, I'm okay I'm supposed to be the the old wise one, right? So I'm kind of like okay um, you know I'm not gonna like you Eddie Bales, right? I'm not gonna try to get you to, to believe anything that I believe, right? I'm not even gonna try to, right? Uh, I'm just going to speak my truth, right? And if my truth resonates with you, that it, it'll be clear. And it won't. And the resonation of my truth to you won't necessarily come from the words, right? The words may stimulate it, but you're going to feel the vibration, right? And I think that that's 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 the solution. This, um, like I, you know, I I really, you know, in in the '80s and the '90s, like I saw those revolutions, right? I saw the revolutions taking place in Africa. I saw the revolutions taking place in, in Latin America, right? I saw the revolutions, you know, the Panthers and that, you know, the young lawyers take, you know, here in the United States, right? And even the work that we did, right? Um, but ultimately, um, the, the, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like you and I could have a conversation, right? But it's kind of, I remember um, working with, a, you, you remember uh, Eric Eves, right? Uh, he, he, brought in, he brought in a speaker and he, he is talking about like, I think, I can't, can't remember what the triangle was, but it had to do with communication and, and uh, business, right? And it, it was kind of like, it was like on one edge, you had uh, communication to your team. On another edge, you had technical know-how and on the bottom, you had communication, like communication to your God, right? And that what we realized, you know, what I realized is that that internal conversation is significantly more powerful than any conversation. I mean, even my conversation with you, Mr. Bales, right? My internal conversation, right? How I see myself, my self-image, right? How I walk the planet, right? Um, you know, where, where my thoughts, you know, are my thoughts around my vision, my goals, my dreams, my desires, my aspirations, are they disjointed? And if they're disjointed, you got to bring them back irrespective. I mean, Jesus did this. Jesus like, look, you know, you, you guys could be tripping, but I'm going to still walk, walk in love. No matter what you do, however you interact with me, I, I'm not going to be distracted from walking in love. Right? And that was a great lesson. And that's one of the lessons that I'm trying to follow too. Right? That as things enter into my life, right? I'm not going to get distracted. I, I, I got my goals. I have my dreams. I have my goals. I have my aspirations. Um, and they're, they're all connected to ascending life for one and for all. Right? Do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Right? They, you know, one of the things we talk around here at the academy, 
We talk about train love, love training. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, you've had such a vast, I didn't know you you were in uh, England, born in England, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that, but it makes sense because, I mean, even before we uh, hopped on here, you know, you, even just your music, I mean, uh, I, I love I love it though. Like I love the uh, the vastness that you have when it comes to history and and all the experiences. And that's what people need too. Is they need to experience more so that they can become more. Because yeah. when you have a perspective like you have, it's easy for you to say, okay, I can see where this can improve, and I can see why this should improve because I've seen it in different areas. I've seen different countries and I've been able to travel. So, you know, you, you, you really, you really made a huge impact uh, more than yeah. you know. And um, it's crazy that we're talking 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at, at some point, maybe we, maybe we could do a new collaborative because I'd like to introduce you to some of the people who are in, in our lives right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely love that for sure. Um, well, you know, we, we've talked about a lot here. I don't want to belabor the time, but um, you know, one of the things that this podcast is about is, is freedom and, and, you know, you got to have a investing and, and a, you have to have a basic understanding of economics and investing in order to live that life of freedom. Uh, you can be an entrepreneur, but if you don't understand the economics of it, if you don't understand the investing side of things, then and how can you grow into that freedom? So, you know, why do you feel that having a basic understanding of economics is important for uh, code to freedom? You know what? You know, I'm laughing, right? Because, you know, I, the truth is I'm a reformed economist. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't, I don't think that the, the kind of economics that you and I are taught, right? I mean, again, the kind of economics that really attracted your attention was the kind that you and I spoke with, right? But mainstream microeconomics, right? That 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 economics of scarcity, right? It was it was scarcity based, right? So so I, matter of fact, what what I would tell your audience is that no, you need to check out what we're doing here at the academy, right? Here at the academy, right? Our, our mantra is cheaper than Netflix, more valuable than a college education, right? And what we mean by that, and again, if I think if it, it fits right down your alley, right, is what we're saying is that. Uh, not saying we're, you know, that a college education is, is not valuable. Matter of fact, it, we agree that it is very valuable, right? Um, in my opinion, you know, college education should be treated as grades 13 through 16, and it should be free, just like any other, just like grades 9 through 12 are our elementary school, right? Because we're going to be living, generally we're living longer, right? But the college education is a scholastic education. It's a liberal arts education. It's not a professional education. It's not a personal finance education. It doesn't teach you about uh, income, expenses, assets, and liabilities. Right? It doesn't teach you about multiple streams of income and the significance of, of being aware of multiple streams of income in the 21st century. You don't learn those things in traditional economics. And, and traditional economics is very selfish, right? I mean, the era, like I, I grew up, you know, my, I'm, I'm quite sure, you know, my, my, my mom and dad, they were civil rights people, right? Um, they grew, you know, they, I, I was a kid in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the, the sixties, the love, the love time period. Right. And I remember clearly in 1980, when Reagan became um, president, you know, and his theory of supply side economics and trickled down was that it, it switched from we to, to you know, love to like, 
hey, yo, it's all about the Benjamin. It's all about me. Forget you, right? It became very, very selfish, right? And that was in the 1980s. And the idea was, you know, we're going to, we're going to uh, cut back on the taxes, right? And we're going to allow, you know, taxes are oppressive. Right. And we're going to allow, you know, you know, people to make money. Right. Um, but what it ended up happening is that, you know, a lot of the the, you know, between economic policies and what have you. I mean, there's a huge amount of wealth that trickled up. It didn't trickle down. Right. So that the, that the disparities in the in, like people are talking about the K, the, the, the K recovery. Right. That, you know, if you if you own assets. Right. You made a killing, right? But most working class people don't own assets, right? Um, you know, the the wages from the 90s to in, in real terms, right? They haven't changed much, right? Even though prices have gone up. And and if you did own some assets, maybe you, you did a little bit better, right? But um, but 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 uh you know it it, it hasn't really changed I mean working class, you know, Main Street is definitely hasn't done as well as, as Wall Street. But we still got to put food on the table, right? And so going back to the question of economics, right? Well, you know, I, I, I honestly, you know, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come hard on this one, right? The kind of economics that's being taught, the neoclassical economics, the Keynesian economics, the, even the Marxian economics, economics of scarcity, right? They, they don't provide the solution that I feel that that our population needs, not just our population, but the human population. And the thing is, is that what's happening now there, there is a lot of disruption taking place, right? You got Bitcoin disrupting the, the central bank model. You got Reddit and you have Robinhood disrupting Wall Street, right? And, and so I, I would say that the work that I'm doing is, is a disruptor of mainstream economics, right? So I wouldn't necessarily um, agree that, that your, your constituents should be studying mainstream economics, right? I really believe that the economics that, that is called economics, I mean, the analytics of it and being analytical and, and thinking scientifically, that's very, very valuable, right? But to assume that from the get-go, if you're a businessman, your, your goal is to maximize profits instead of making the world a better place, that's not the correct goal for me, right? No, the, the right goal from my perspective is identify you know, what you're good at, right? Identify what you like to do, right? Identify what the world needs and see if you could align those things, what you're good at, what you like to do and what the world needs. And then I identify how to make some money. You doing that, right? Um, so the framework is, is different, right? So, you know, so I'm, I'm just gonna make my little plug for the Academy, right? If you, you know, for your, for your audience here, you know, if you wanna get in contact with the Academy, um, we are at CIGBuffalo at gmail.com. CIG is for Conscious Investment Group, right? CIGBuffalo at gmail.com. And again, our mantra is cheaper than Netflix and more valuable than a college education. And what that means is, is that what we're offering, right, for $12.99 is an opportunity. You are, you are in the saving circle. Well, we're offering a 21st century saving circle in and so of that $12.99, $7 of that $12.99 is going to, going to go into a savings circle in your name, right? And we're going to hold that money in, uh, in Bitcoin, right? We're going to hold it in Bitcoin and, and, and we're going to offer up to a 10% return on that 
uh, on that $7 over a 12 month time period. So that in a 12 month time period, that's about $84, 10% uh, of that would bring it up into the, into the low 90s. And that money would belong to you, assuming that Bitcoin generates a capital gain. Right? And that's, that's the financial piece. Another financial piece is of that $12.99, um, you, we, 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 we have the alumni fund, right? Um, and we provide scholarships to, to some of our people who are associated with it, with what we call the nexus of cooperative and cooperating institutions and spiritually orientated entrepreneurs, right? And so right from the get-go, we offer an opportunity to, to, to tithe and be a philanthropist. And then you know about the network marketing piece. You know, we, we offer um, what we call uh, prospect mining is that if you do the recruitment, you have an opportunity to get a dollar out of that um, as for in the form of cash flow, right? So right from the very get-go, right? You're gonna be, you're gonna learn about capital gains and we'll teach. And, and then the, the financial literacy piece is that we will give you an opportunity to participate in our um, mastermind calendar, right? So what we're doing is we're masterminding, right? Um, we're masterminding what we call spiritual and temporal advancement. So our calendar, right, is about uh, what we call life wealth and material wealth, right? And the life wealth is, you know, the, you know, the your your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, right? Uh, you know, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Well, healthy in, healthy out, right? In your mind and in your in your mouth, uh, in your your life experiences. But again, like we are, we'll be holding that money in Bitcoin. So we're going to teach you about Bitcoin, right? And why we feel that, that um, you know, putting intellectual energy and putting your, you know, you have a choice, right? You know, you know, you, you, you probably taught from the richest man in Babylon, right? And in the richest man in Babylon, you, you know, the goal, one of the a tactic is living off of 90% of your income. But what do you do with the 10%? Do you start saving in fiat currency, the US dollar, or you start saving in Bitcoin? Well, our, we, we, be, we believe that, you know, we'll teach you what Bitcoin is, right? We'll teach you about cryptocurrencies. We'll teach you about blockchain. And when we say teach you, right? No, not, it's not really teach, right? Because you know that that's not really my style. We're, we'll mastermind. We'll work together, right? We'll bring all these minds together and create a bigger mind to respond to what we feel is is the cutting edge. Um, you know, again, the cutting edge is is shifting economics from the production and distribution of goods and services to to the human being. Who do we become in the process while we live on the planet for these 100 years, 100 year lifestyle, right? Um, I teach a lot of my students that you, you should seriously consider a hundred year lifestyle. Try, try to live to triple digits, right? There's a lot of phenomenal stuff happening on this planet. Why, why, why short chain yourself by unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy eating habits, unhealthy drinking habits, right? Um, you know, you know, try to be around a little bit, right? But if you're going to be around to triple digits, you know, the old style of retiring at 65, well, that's not going to work, right? So if you're going to plan to be around for triple digits, um, you today, you know, you need to prepare to have, have income coming in um, when your body is slowing down a little bit, right? Have those assets built up so that you, you're not relying on a one-to-one -one relationship between your labor and your income, right? That your labor goes into your assets and your assets generate the income. So that kind of language, that's the language we talk over here at the academy, 
right? Again, a leadership academy and community building economics. Um, and we focus on personal productivity. The academy is a, is a dojo. This is, this, is, this, is where, this is where people come to polish their spirit, right? Um, we've had a lot of events. We just had, we just had a, uh, uh, matter of fact, we had the, um, the young royalty, right? A young a chess club. They had an event here. We had, we had good, about 50, 60 people show up. Uh, we had a, uh, we had, had, had a 420 event, right? Had a comedy show, right? Um, we had a event coming out of the academy, um, uh, Bitcoin in the black community. So we're doing a lot of stuff here. So your audience, you know, before I direct them to take, to study mainstream economics, I direct them to, towards us. Learn, learn what, we, you know, we, we're, we're offering something, right? Um, and and what, what you experienced with me, you know, I've leveled up 100x since when, when you and I dealt with each other. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I mean, things have changed now. It's, it's a totally different lifestyle now. And all the disruptions you talked about are so, so on point because the world is changing. We got to keep up. Matter of fact, we got to stay ahead of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love all the things that you're talking about. And uh, hey, I'd love to see some more information about that as well. So okay. definitely check it out, folks. Check out everything he's talking about. What was that? C-I-G? C-I-G, Buffalo at gmail.com. There you go. There you go. Well, any any last words that you want to say to, to everybody? Oh man, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, 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 you, you had me on a roll here, right? Um, no, I think uh, I think that um, you know, like like staying close to the one principle, right? The the, the primary directive is love, right? Um, and and the thing is, I, I, I it's clear to me that we all have different understandings of what love is, right? But I would guess if we err throughout our lifetimes and stay as close to love as possible throughout our lifetimes, we'll probably find ourselves in a pretty good spot. I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, it's been a pleasure having you here. I know we'll get together soon uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you on again because uh, you have a lot of value to offer and so much knowledge as well from a macro standpoint of just not just not just one genre but you can kind of take it to the ego view and, well I'm, i mean that's that's my job i i am an economist even so i said i'm a a, a reformed economist uh -huh. my job is to frame the game right and right. i think i've done a good job in framing the game and now i'm out there sharing what we've created right the you know we we are we we are operating in the paradigm shift and we are aligned with the exponential and accelerating growth that's taking place right now. And the framework that we're sharing fits the alignment, right? We, we, we can handle the exponential and accelerating growth. As a matter of fact, not only can we handle it, like it, it, it could leapfrog us towards the front. Like we, we have the opportunity to teach the rest of the world, right? You know, what people who've gone through the, you know, in this 400 year time period, have gone through the trials and tribulations of the, of the black population, right? And we're still here and we have something to share with the world. And it's not bitterness, it's not anger. It's like, no, it's love. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure once again. And um, thank you so much for joining us. No doubt. All right, take care, sir. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for listening. Um, definitely feel free to take a screenshot of this episode. Tag me in it on Instagram uh, or Facebook or wherever 
you find me on social media. I would love to give you a shout out. Hey, you might even get a prize. Who knows? But uh, excited that you had a chance to take a listen. I hope you got a lot of value and uh, definitely feel free to uh, give us five stars as well as a review. Uh, Show us some love and we appreciate you. God bless you all and see you all over the top.